Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Brett Lindley and Walker Neer. I'm Brett, and today we talk about the interesting and unique aspects brought forth in sandbox MMOs. So hey, Walker, uh, what's got you playing a sandbox MMO? Hey, what's up, man? Um, so yeah, sandbox MMOs are are something that have always been of, of pretty great interest to me. I recently returned to um, Albion Online, uh, which is a, a sandbox MMO. And really the only other sandbox MMO that I have any real experience with is probably EVE Online. Um, there are others out there. Um, like Arcage, which I have, anyone that's listened to all of our episodes has heard me mention that I have played it, but for only like a few hours and didn't get to the point where there's the sandboxiness. Um, Black Desert Online, a little bit of sandbox as well. Um, and I've played that some, but but yeah, Albion Online is, is kind of what I've returned to here recently. Okay. And, and so I guess before we dig into Albion Online, uh, what's the distinction between like a sandbox as like, I'm not an MMO guy. So I just thought, like when you say sandbox, I think of like Minecraft or Kerbal Space Program. Mm -hmm. So how does how do you have a sandbox in an MMO? Yeah, it's uh, you know the the distinction, and again, there's probably more subgenres than this, but the distinction that I commonly hear is um, like a, a sandbox MMO versus a theme park MMO. So theme park MMOs would be like WoW, ever or excuse me, WoW, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, MMOs that offer highly curated experiences of content. So in a in a theme park MMO, you know, you want to do your, your PvP, well, that's like going on the Ferris wheel. It's over here, it's this experience, and it's totally segregated from if you want to go do raiding, and that's the, the teacup right over here or whatever, right? Okay, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Now, that wasn't a shot at, at raiders being like Care Bears or something. But no, dude, you, get, you get some beefy people on the teacups, and you can get them things spinning. Like, <laughs> teacups can make you can be a lot more adrenaline rushy than your loop-de-loops. Like, <laughs> I think it's more adequate. Um, but anyway, and then and so then the Sandbox MMO, you know, I've been thinking about, like, what, what are the, the different things that distinguish it? And it's... I mean, most MMOs, regardless of type, have a really giant world to explore. So that's right. not really a thing. I mean, it, it kind of is, though. So in even Albion, you have enormous maps that have, um, you know, in EVE, it's the star system. And in, in Albion, it's just a fictitious, you know, a couple of continents. But the way both of those are laid out is like each zone is represented on the map as kind of a node, I guess you could say. And then those nodes have lines that connect them to other nodes. And so the only way you can get to a node is through a node that has a line connecting to it. Now in Albion, that makes sense because you're traveling across land. In Eve, you know, you're in space, but you can't just jump to any star you want to. The stars right. have lanes effectively that connect them. So it, while there are lots and lots of nodes, if you will, on these maps, it, it also they also seem even larger than they are because there's not a lot of fast travel options so to get from point a to point b if it's across the world actually will take you quite a while of real time travel to get there so like i and i have a little bit of experience with i guess more theme park mmos but it it sounds to me more like in a lot of theme park mmos at least after like your first zone or two you find some central hub or city or something that can then teleport you basically to any of the other zones or a lot of them so that you're not like like you said it's a fast travel system that gets you a lot further yeah well like in you know let's, let's take world of warcraft for example um you know just in the even in classic wow right so not even the modern ver retail version of it but even in classic wow you start out in like stormwind which is the human capital city and then you quest out from there and you go to the zones kind of as the, and they increase in level. Right. And so you kind of go weave through them as you go. Um, but, yeah, you eventually get like flight paths. So now now you can jump on a griffin and walk away and it will fly you from wherever you are back to Stormwind and then back out of Stormwind back to the, you know, the farthest flight path you have in Albion and Eve. There's just not a mechanic like that. So while there certainly are tiers of zones and a, a level scaling and all of that if you go out to the high end zone and you want to go back to the capital city, cause there's still a capital city in, in Albion, right? Okay. 
you've got to walk all the way back. So it's still, it just kind of, the thing with theme park MMOs too, is that while they have these really expansive worlds outside of a few things or or maybe um, activities you could do, you kind of only care about very small portions of them at any given time. Like a common complaint with, with wow is that it's got seven or eight expansions or whatever it is now. But if you're playing the retail version of WoW, you're just playing the last version, right? Like, because right. you're at the max level and that's the new content and everything else. While it's there, you're unless you're achievement hunting or something, you're just not going to go see you're it. Probably not there. going back and, and doing anything with it. And if you are, it's probably by yourself or maybe with a group of friends. But it's certainly not something that the game is driving players to. Okay. Whereas in a sandbox MMO it doesn't work that same way. Like certainly there are concentrated areas. So I don't mean that everything is all players are distributed equally, but the reason that players are concentrated in an area is more to do with uh, criteria or events that the players themselves have created or manufactured as opposed to like big wars and Eve online and yes. stuff like that. Like everybody may congregate around a station, not because the game's telling them to go there, but because there's a faction war and that station is a linchpin to some gate or something. Yeah. Like there's a system in, in, or maybe it's just a, a single star in Eve, but it's like the Jita star. That's like the most, the have the biggest trade hub. But I think that's just because of where it's positioned and it ends up being a place that you can get to from a variety of locations. So it ends up being this really heavily populated trade hub. And then once it gets established as that, now everyone thinks of it as the trade hub. Right. So it continues that. So right? it just grows so, in popularity. Yeah. So it attracts that, but it's not because it's not because somewhere in the game it says, if you want to trade, you have to go to this system because you could trade in any system. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So I guess... I guess this kind of brings us to that's that's the distinction. What exactly has drawn you? I so I remember very vaguely. I don't know a couple few years ago, a lunch that you had talked about Albion online some, mm-hmm. and and I remember like you were really excited about it for a couple of weeks, and then uh, you got like into a guild or something, and then that guild was big and dumb or whatever, and you just kind of dropped out of it. So like I guess a couple of things is like what's what's brought you back to Albion Mm -hmm. and, and then kind of what's your, what is it? What is Albion and and what's your experience like this time? Yeah. Well, so uh, there's a couple other things I do want to say that I think add to the distinction, which, which will tie into to answer those questions. But so another thing that's common among these games is full loot PVP. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. That is a big, important bit. (laughs) So there's not, I mean, is the, does that mean there's any PVE or, is it just um, always PvP on and there's some PvE? Yes. 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 yes? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes yeah, sense. There is PvE. The PvE content. Now, to be clear, in either game, I've not done all of the PvE content, so I right. can't speak in detail to all of it. But my understanding is that there is nothing like a WoW raid in these games as far as PvE, right? But there right. are quests or missions or whatever. Uh, Albion Online has dungeons. Um, so there are certainly, I mean, the way that you farm your experience in both games is, is through largely through PVE. Um, but there is generally a constant threat of, of PVP in Albion. There are some zones in the beginner area that don't have PVP enabled. So, um, you can kind of learn the game without that threat. Right. Um, In EVE Online, I don't think there's anywhere where you're literally safe from it. It might be that the attackers will be killed by an NPC army very fast if they attack you, but they still could if they wanted to. Um, So anyway. um, Full loot PvP, that means like they get to keep everything on you when you die. Yeah, well, yes. Whatever you whatever you had on, you do not have on you when you respawn. You respawn naked. Okay. Um, In Albion, there's some mechanics that that it's a dice roll, but then it's also based on how many people were attacking you. So like if it's a one-on-one fight, there's like a 10% chance that every, every piece of gear on you has a 10% chance to be destroyed. Um, So when they go to loot you, some of the gear will be trash. Um, The more people that attack you when you die, the higher chance that your gear is destroyed. So it kind of, 
it's actually a really cool mechanic that I hadn't really even thought of before, but it, it, what it kind of does is it disincentivizes large gang groups. I mean, right. if you want to do it solely to grief, then you still can, but, but you're, you're not getting anything from it when you do it. Right. Because a, there's more of you. So you would have to split it up anyway. And more of the gear is going to be destroyed. So it, without just putting a hard rule and trying to, to build hard rules around it, again, it's more just a disincentive to it. Right. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, um, so what's, I guess, what's the theme of Albion? Like, were we talking fantasy setting? Yeah, it's fantasy setting. I think it's like, like the, the age of darkness is finally lifted after King Arthur's death. After 10,000 years. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think it literally does at the beginning be like after a thousand years, blah, blah, blah. So nice. Um, but it's all humans. Um, there are fantastical creatures that you encounter, like treants and that sort of stuff. Okay. But all of the player characters are people. Okay. There's no dwarves. There's no elves. There's no whatever the weird races. The age of man. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's a it's a fantasy theme, and and it's so it's also something that's different about it is that it looks and plays like a MOBA. Um, okay. So in the sense that you have like QWER for your abilities or. Yep. QWER and then DNF. So a total of six abilities. It's that camera angle. It's that isometric camera angle that you get in a, in a MOBA. Uh, it's left click to move. Um, Do you but... have the last hit to get gold? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it does, you know, unlike a Diablo, um, it does have an auto attack. So if you just click on an enemy, Okay. You will just auto attack that enemy and then you can do, which is similar to a MOBA. Yeah. And then you can do your abilities, um, you know, in between there. And the abilities are all based on um, your gear. So your weapon type determines three of the abilities or not even the type, specifically the weapon you have determines three of the abilities and there's choices within the weapon. So it's not purely so static. You get a little bit of skill tree type stuff with each weapon. Yeah. It's like not really one I mean, or two not, skills. Right, right. And then and then as you uh, level up your specialization with that weapon, you might unlock more abilities with that weapon type. Okay. And then there's three pieces of armor, uh, head, chest, feet, and each one of those gives one of the other three for the total of six abilities. Okay. So it's kind of cool because, and I, I mean, I love, as I've gone on at length about on this show, I love, I love the... I do love having a ton of abilities like in World of Warcraft. Like I, I, I like that I have four hot bars full of stuff that while I only use maybe one of them every fight, it's just kind of cool that I have all these different portals to all these capital cities I can make or I can make food or whatever. obviously I've been playing a mage. But um, <laughs> but in Albion, it's actually while I like that about WoW in, in those kinds of games. I kind of appreciate the simplicity of Albion. I kind of appreciate that there's six buttons and that it's not. You know, I don't need my 12 button MMO mouse for it. Right. Like, um, yeah. So I kind of I kind of appreciate that simplicity. And then you go into like the skill tree, though, and the skill tree is more akin to like a path of exile skill tree. So I mean, not your not your active skills, but like your passive skills then. Yes. Like okay. like all of like if you want to you know, like if you want to start with with warrior weapons, right, then then you go and you level up. You can use any any of the warrior weapons, which are like swords, axes, maces, hammers, that that sort of stuff. Uh, then you unlock the ability to use all like so. Initially, it's just again like those broad categories. But then, let's right. say you want to start you, you you continue doing that, and you level up to like I think the third tier, and now you want to specialize in swords. Well, now there's eight different kinds of swords alone. So as you level up, so the way it works too is that it's not it's not a predetermined amount of XP for like a character level. Like there is no character level. I'm not a level 10 or something. Okay. I'm just a character and each piece of gear that I have has its own level to it entirely that is gained and built by me using it. So if I use swords, then I gain general sword experience. But if I use a claymore, I also gain claymore specific experience. Versus if I used a broadsword, now that's got broadsword experience. So you could be gaining like warrior weapon experience, sword experience, and dagger experience all using one weapon. Yes, and you okay. are. And yeah, you right. Are. Okay, okay. Yep. And, and so like all of the swords, like I said, like weapons give you three abilities. So all of the swords give you two. 
And then the specialized version of each one offers a unique third ability. Okay. So the broadsword is different from the claymore in that third ability. And then they right. also, but then different. they both had, they both share the two abilities. Right. That's right. Kind of cool. both like that, that helps narrow in your skills. So you're yeah. not every time if you switch from sword to claymore, you're not with four new skills. You're with one new skill. Yeah. To, to figure out and learn and adapt to. Right. But I also really appreciate that you can do it all on one character and you're not really respecking. Like you wouldn't lose the progress you made on anything else, right? Like you're just right. you're just changing weapons and now you can go level that up. But if you want, you could switch back to whatever you had the higher it sounds level. Sounds kinda like like Skyrim experience too. Like like you yeah. could be you could level up your swords and then you could go level up your smithing, then you can go level up your your spell casting or whatever, and it there's no penalty for switching between those things. Yes, that is true. The only difference in Skyrim is that there's kind of it's not called perks, I don't think, but it's oh, kind of right. like Fallout perks. Well, and I just mean simply that like that kind of that is limited, so that kind of does shift how specialized you could be, whereas in something like Albion, there is no system like that, other than okay. just grinding in time right. <laughs> um but yeah so you know another thing you asked was what i got back got me back into it and it so it's a game i did play as you mentioned three years ago when it came out um and i just i realized that i wanted to be competitive but to be competitive you really need to be in a large guild um because that's the the large guilds are just more powerful than individuals. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and I mean, with it being full loot PVP, there's got to be a manner of protection in a large guild and right. resources. And yeah, well, and I mean, something I don't think I've touched on yet, but you know, all of the gear is crafted. Like, yes, you can get drops from mobs, but whatever they drop is identical to something that could be crafted. So there is like in, in a game like wow or final fantasy the best gear in the game either comes as a reward from raiding or as a reward from maybe participating in the competitive pvp but crafting is never the way that you get the best gear in right. sandbox mmos but in sandbox mmos it is okay um so what that means is that the higher level resources to make the higher level gear is in specific zones so yeah you're competing with other people for those resources and if there's a guild, then they don't want you to have it. So they'll just yeah, kill you, right? <laughs> they're going to go take claim of all of the magical redwood area mm -hmm. that allows you to make the heart's fire sword or whatever. And they're going to have a monopoly on those so that they can sell them. And Right, exactly. So I basically, I, I decided I needed to be in a big guild. So I joined one. And this is and current or past? This is 2017. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, when it came out. And I joined the big guild. And yeah, they... They ended up having like hour long weekly meetings um, and to their credit, they weren't fluff like it wasn't because they were bad at running meetings. They were actually highly efficient. It was surprising how good they were at what they were doing. Um, but I just realized that, man, I don't want to spend an hour a week. It sounds a like meeting. a job. That's what it felt like. That's what it made me feel because I was the, the, the and I to be I mean, to be clear, I only did did it one week. I was at my mom's house having lunch. And we get done eating and I look at my phone and I realize that I have to go home now because I have a, a meeting I have to attend and it's Sunday. And right. I, I just, I don't know. My, my life is not that well put together that I can, I'm ready to just commit all of my time to an MMO like that. Like I need right. to button up some other stuff probably. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually, I did like, I actually, so then what happened was I quit that guild, but I had convinced myself that that was the only way to be competitive. And so then I just quit playing because I was like, well, I want to, I don't want to just go get, I don't want to go be farmed by other people. Right. Only. And I don't want to be in that guild. So I guess that means I don't want to play in hindsight. What I wish I would have done was just played casually. Right. Because the truth of these sandbox games is that a time advantage is an enormous advantage. Um, because there's just such a grind to it. Like, like I said, you've got warrior weapon, sword, claymore, and then there's seven other swords. All of those go from level one to a hundred, which is an arbitrary number to some extent, but believe me, it's that's a, grind. a That's a big time investment to get. There. And then you've got, so you've got all the different pieces of gear, but you've got, so you've got your headpiece, but there's plate leather and cloth headpieces. 
And then there's eight different varieties of cloth head pieces and eight different varieties of, of plate head pieces and so on. And that's true for chess pieces and boots. So there's just this enormous amount of grinding that you could do. Now, it's true that at some point you would hit the level for Claymore. So regardless of how long you play, you're only going to be so powerful with the Claymore. Kind right. Of but still just the your ability to make money because you also have to spend time to increase your crafting and gathering skills and all of that. Um, the advantage that I could have if I would have had an active account for three years is enormous, I guess. Right. <laughs> no, that, that does sound... That... Eve is kind of similar in the same way, right? Where like your skills, you have to, you still have to log in frequently enough to like pick your next one, but they're just time locked. Now I, it sounds, Albion sounds like, like use locked, but yeah. th- that, that kind of brings me to the kind of a question that I have then is that like, if you're gaining sword experience by using your sword, th- there's kind of two questions here, I guess. One, are you gaining boots experience just by wearing them or when you take hits and then, uh, uh Two, with it being full loot PvP, like if a monster kills you, can you get your stuff back? Um, so yeah, so as far as how you gain experience, when you kill the mob, it it it, it grants experience. It's okay. called so you, get, so you just get mute like experience for all of the stuff that you have equipped. On. Right, okay. right. And in fact, you know, I don't I guess you probably can't change gear in combat. Um, but there's also like there's like these tome items that that is are in the game now that you can just use the item and it just gives you a flat amount of experience, and that just applies to whatever you wear, you're wearing because whenever okay. you go to use it, it actually says make sure you're wearing gear that will benefit from this. Um, strangely, so the crafting gear, or I should say rather the gathering gear, so like I've spent a lot of time gathering wood, um, so I actually have a set of gear that is just the lumberjack gear. Well, if I go and gather a piece of wood, you know, chop a tree down, that's how you get experience for that. However, the difference is, is that like the, 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 the lumberjack gear itself doesn't really have a spec in the way that the combat pieces do. So anyway, my point is just, you don't, you can't use those tomes for the gathering gear. It's only, that only applies to the, the combat gear. Um, yeah, there's, do you just stumble about. around? I guess they, it kind of leads to like, with it being full loot PvP, have you ever just stumbled oh. across a body? Like, how long do they stay on the ground? Can you get your stuff back if you like run there? Like, I have, I think you could. Um, I have come across a body, but anytime I have, it only has trash left on it. So whoever was there took whatever was worth something. Right. Um, you know, when it comes to a monster, I don't know for sure because I want to say no. I want to say no, it doesn't. You don't lose your stuff. I'm pretty sure you don't. I was going to say I don't know if I've died to a monster, but I have. I died. I've died in um, basically a dungeon, and it has checkpoints in it, and I just respawned at that checkpoint. Oh, okay. Well, that's so, that's kind. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then other times though, when I fought monsters, so when you get killed, you actually get. It's kind of similar to the way that like um, uh, uh, battle royale games work often, where when you get when you lose all of your HP, instead of instantly dying, you get knocked down. Right. And if you stay in the knock, if you can survive in the knockdown state for long enough, you you can get back up. Okay. But if you continue to be attacked, then you actually get killed. So in PvP, that works because you can't fight back and they can easily right. finish you off. The Most of the monsters, though, it seems... Once you go to the knockdown state, we'll just de-aggro and walk away. So, like, they count that as you being dead. Right. Yeah. Well, that's nice. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guess, so you've mentioned, so there's, it's a player-driven economy. Mm -hmm. So, all of the items are made by players. And that's, it sounds like kind of the core crux of the game is gathering rocks and minerals and wood and stuff to to go craft good items and and potentially sell those items or use them to go fight other people to then get their items is that is that kind of the major loop of the game yeah well that's what so that's why i think the sandbox games are so interesting because they offer you know a theme park mmo will tell you we offer all sorts of gameplay we've got raiding we've got pvp we've got crafting except that the crafting is irrelevant and the rating in the PVP as far as current content is usually pretty limited. 
Right. Um, in a sandbox MMO, they offer all those things, and you really can just full-time do any one of those things and be a completely contributing member of a guild or community or whatever. Like, if you just spend all of your time crafting and gathering and making stuff, especially if you were donating it to a guild or something, like, you're just straight up helping the guild. Because since it's full loot PvP... When because guilds can claim territory now, they can't build castles or anything, but they can claim territory. When they claim territory, there's you can you can initiate a guild fight over that territory that's like a structured PvP kind of event. But when you die, you lose your stuff. So it then becomes kind of a war of like attrition of like, well, who has more stuff in the bank? So yes, the economy is a central loop to the game, but not every player has to participate directly. You don't have in to, yes, yeah, so you don't have to do every step of the economy. You can be. I really, I really appreciate and respect games that. Yeah. Because I think that's a big part of like my dislike with a lot of theme park style MMOs is outside of engaging story or gameplay loops. I don't really get down on rating. I, in fact, that was one of the things that made me really mad about the secret world is I got through the second, I got pretty much to the end of like the second or third major zone before I went back and played through the boss of the first zone. Cause it was like a raid boss. And I just don't like that kind of content and had to queue up for, you know, 20 people to get in and learn the boss and all this, but there was story stuff behind that was like gated behind that that I was missing and I didn't understand the story of the later acts as much because I was missing full motion videos and all this. And I just, I just don't want to participate in that content. And so I, I really like when a game offers something for the crafters. Like I'm a maker in my normal life and that's, you can make, there's a lot of room and a lot of industry and commerce that can be made out of being an artist or like tree removal services or lawn mowing, you know, there's their services and there's value in that. And when, when crafting is almost it, like, there's even a lot of it, at least in the MMOs I played a lot of time when you can't even outcraft like same level mobs for gear for your character. Like it's so pointless to craft like you yeah you can make swords but you just do it to get crafting experience because the sword you got eight levels ago as a uncommon drop is better than anything you could ever craft and it's like then why have it yeah it's i mean i think it's a holdover from um you know all mmos originate from well from muds um but the first the first few mmos like ultima and everquest they they really are they're made by people who played D and D and so they're trying to capture as much of the world as they can. Right. And in those games, I think it did matter more because in those games you weren't getting purple drops, every boss or something. Right. You know, gear was more rare and hard to come by. And so, I mean, when I played dark age of Camelot, we used to buy uncrafted gear without, it didn't even have stats on it because that, that was uncommon in the game to have gear with stats. So we were just buying, just the highest, the next best armor value was really the only stat you could care about, you know? Um, and, and, and as time has gone on, the games have moved, at least the theme park style games have moved more and more away from it, but they're uncomfortable to just cut it out. Right. Like yeah. It's, I, it's, it's, it's that like, if a game has a mechanic, if a game has an inventory, then you have to be able to sort it. Right. Like, like, and you have to have a limited inventory space, Mm -hmm. even though that's not true at all. (laughs) Right, right. It's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of things in MMOs that I think are like that, which is, you know, a game you've played, and this is, this is not sandbox, but theme park, but again, one of the few theme park MMOs you've played would be uh, Guild Wars 2. Yeah. And while I actually ended up not liking it as well, I applaud Guild Wars 2 for the innovations they tried to introduce, such as, doing away with the holy trinity the healer tank dps Mm -hmm. trinity of mmo groups now it turns out that i actually really appreciate that trinity because what it really represents is uh a codependence between players well and it encourages like a big part of mmos just is community like playing with other people 
Yeah, well, and it helps you define a role for yourself. So especially if you if you want to be like a healer or a tank, that's more of a supporty kind of role. It, it allows you to be like, well, I'm going to be a healer. So who wants a healer? Well, it turns out everyone wants a healer, right? Not everyone wants the 15th rogue on the list, but right. everyone wants a healer. So it also allows you to kind of find ways to participate and play that are not just purely based on competitive. Because maybe if I play a rogue, I, I really am the 15th worst rogue. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> maybe the other rogues are better, but but I can heal. And But anyway, and, and so... Um, while so while I do appreciate the Holy Trinity as it's known in, in MMOs, I thought it was awesome that Guild Wars went outside the box and tried to do away with it because how would it work if we didn't have it? You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. why do we have to insist on this? So um so yeah, I definitely appreciate it when games try and, and, and buck a trend. And yeah, in, in sandbox MMOs though, the to your to as you stated it earlier, the crafting and the economy is kind of the whole engine of the game, which is how the world works <laughs> so well it, it, i feel like it gives you like it really like I, I keep coming back to how on the nose theme park mmo is right like especially like like a disney world or something where there's not just the rides but there's also like the epcot center and the harry potter land which itself has a dozen probably 50 or 100 different themed shops and rides in its own so like an mmo is really like a like a city-sized theme park right like a mega theme park but you can't go in there and feel like you've ever changed anything you can have the yes. experience you can get scared or you can get a thrill ride you could come home with a magic wand yep. and a lightsaber but you did not change anything that's but true. like a sandbox mmo is like in my opinion like a beach where like the changes you make may not be permanent right but like if you build a sandcastle that sandcastle is going to be there for at least a little bit and if somebody runs up and destroys it that's an experience that they decided to make to grief you and now but that's not something that's going to happen in you have no way to influence the world at Disney World, but being able to influence the world, even from the most mundane, like maybe you just chop wood, but you know that that wood is being turned into better weapons and helping a guild or something like being able to influence from that low or even just from crafting or from a low level. I don't know. I think that's I think that's a great experience to offer a player. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. In defense of the the, the theme park MMOs they do offer at least the possibility of a good social experience, right? Like you don't change anything at Disney world, but if you and your group of friends go and you go to on the different rides, like you still had a potentially exciting experience together that, that still has value. Oh, right? certainly. I'm like, I'm yeah, yeah. I would love to go to Epcot. Like, right, right, right. I'm sure I would love to go to the, the dwarven mines of Kalthazar or something, you know, and, and see what's there and go on the quests and get the, the magic loot from there. I would probably right. come home with a Harry Potter wand and a lightsaber. Right. Like I, I definitely don't want to diminish that. I think that that is awesome, but I think that being able to influence the world in a very, cause like I do not care that I am the last sworn hero to save the land standing around the quest giver with 400 other last sworn heroes to save the land. Well, that's what I was going to say is that the suspension of disbelief required in, in theme park MMOs is just so enormous because they do always frame it that way. Like you're this, the last hero or whatever, except that you're in a raid with 20 other last heroes. And it's like, right. it doesn't make me sense. Because I'm, I'm, I'm level five as the last hero, but I'm standing next to a guy with flaming golden angel wings. Right. I think he's the last hero you're looking for. <laughs> like, right. This dude just teleported in on a dragon. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe he should go fight the bad guy. But so I do agree with you though, that, that, yeah, the, the, the offer to the, the opportunity for the players to have, um, some impact on the world and to really feel like you can really choose what your mark on the world's going to be in world of Warcraft. Yeah. You can choose what class you want to be, but in the end you're a class that's going to run some dungeons or, or maybe go to arena or battlegrounds or something, but that's really it. Like there's not a lot of paths, but in a game like Albion or Eve, you could never engage in combat. I mean, 
I'm going to, I'm going to go away from Albion. And I'm going to tell an Eve story um, that I absolutely love, but it was this guy who was, who was like a really well-known character in the Eve community. So actually, before I say this, I do need to back up and make one other point about a, a commonality between these sandbox games, at least Albion and Eve, and that's their single server, um, which makes a huge difference because then ev the entire community is together, right? Now Everybody affects everybody. Right. Now you're spread out all across the whole game universe or world or whatever, right? So you don't see everyone or something, but uh, yeah, the butterfly effect for all players is is related right um but anyway so like in eve a few years ago eve made it um they 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 basically made it so that you could package um really really enormous ships to sell them on space stations okay well prior to them doing that there was no way to buy a sh like the giant Titan. Like, I don't know that they're the Death Star Mega. one, but whatever. Right. They're huge. They take literal months to construct uh, of real time. <laughs> um, there was no way to transact for one of those without actually just having the ship out in space and having someone else fly up to it and take control over it and fly away, which is a really daunting transaction because it is billions of the in-game credits if right not you're so. asking me to bring my super ship out into the middle of nowhere and you don't believe that and both people are gonna be like well you're gonna gank me so i'm gonna bring my crew and they're gonna bring their crew and that's a tense right ordeal i i mean i've never been in an illicit transaction like that but it's like in the movies where you see like the the weapons dealer or something and like there's all this tension because no one knows are you trying to to get us here right or well anyway so there was this one guy who wasn't a part of any major alliance or faction or anything, who wasn't some big power player as far as like in the game, he's not right. like a scary person, but somehow he carved out this little niche for himself as the only trustworthy guy in space. And so <laughs> he just acted as a broker for these transactions. And so he would take possession of the ship and, and then possession of the money and then transfer them out equally and so he was kind of like out of importance once they patched in the ability to transact these oh, ships. Oh, right. Yeah, right? So, he's not making money anymore. They patched out his job. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he was so popular. EVE Online has an annual conference in Iceland where the company that makes it is based of. And he was going to this, you know, in, in person and was like a mini celebrity of sorts, if you will, at this conference in right. Iceland because everyone knows who he is. And it's like, there's just not that story in World of Warcraft. There's just not. Right, yeah. There's just nothing that has those stakes. And even if there was some way that someone established the, some weird little niche character for themselves, it's only on their one server and on their one faction, right? Right, yeah. I mean, there's like leaderboards. That's about the best you can hope for. Is Even if, even if you have some tricky reputation, it's only on your server and you're either a alliance or horde. So it's only that portion of the server. Mm -hmm. Whereas in games like even Albion, there is no faction that prevents you from talking to each other or communicating or, or whatever. Right. And there are certainly factions and guilds and all of that, but it, it doesn't restrict access in the same way. Um, but yeah, like it, so it's just stories like that. I mean, I have another Eve story I want to tell, but did you have any other questions or anything? I don't, I don't want to just. No, no. Go, I mean, uh, okay. So, yeah, I, I, I relate. I've actually heard a lot more Eve stories because they would make the news pretty regularly because it, the, the, the stories in Eve would have, like you said, could be like literal millions of dollars were destroyed in some mega battle. Mm -hmm. And like, it's so daunting like so few people i think understand the scale and the money that you can make and or lose in eve and yeah. it, it's just it's like when they talk about billions of isk the in-game currency like you that is just kind of off phrase billions of isk when you see that phrase you know something went down yeah. <laughs> either yeah. i mean from being like I, I so I, I know of one story. I don't know all the details of the guy that like infiltrates the guild. Yes, and that's works. The one I was going to tell. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's an awesome story. And 
yes, please do. So I'll try and keep it. I'll try and keep it succinct. Um, basically, there's a guy who. Okay, actually, no, that's not the story. There's two stories now. Darn, <laughs> they're so good. They're so good. There there's are so stories. Okay, okay. Pick uh, one. I'm gonna pick the other one, and and then we can go back to the other one if you think that there's time. So the one I was gonna tell is there's a there's. So first of all, there's a basically an alliance of really like kind of evil guilds. Like they started out as like pirates and trolls and they all banded together and they basically become the dominant power structure in the EVE Online universe. So they are the evil league of evil. Yeah, but now to be clear, they're not, they don't have a presence in every system in the game right. or something, right? So they're centralized somewhere, but whatever. They are the ones who kind of dictate if they if they want something to change they get what they want basically because they'll just kill anyone that doesn't right let them right so um and they're in power for like two or three years which is a problem with these types of games is that you get these power vacuums and you get these groups that are just monstrously powerful um and so unrelated to that fact or that reality in the game at, at, that, at this time some guy decides to create a third-party website. So this is not sponsored by Eve in any way. Right. A third-party website that's a casino where you can gamble your ISK, your in-game credits, right? <laughs> so he makes trillions of ISK because it's a casino. So just like all casinos, the house wins the house more wins. often. <laughs> right. So he finds himself with just this enormous sum of EVE Online money. So he decides to pay a whole bunch of small but competent and powerful other clans or guilds or whatever. And they form this basically mercenary alliance and take out the evil empire. Like they wreck them. Like they completely <laughs> dominate them. And, and break up the evil empire that's been in place for years. Except then afterwards they break back apart because they're not actually an alliance they were just right. all they paid. just did it for their money they, right they got in got paid and got out there there's no command structure there's no right. long-standing history of rules to follow there's not weekly hour-long meetings right right so they disband and so then a power vacuum arises yet again now i as far as i know i don't think another evil conglomerate has taken over i think it's been more wild westy since that point right um, but again, like I, 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 I love that story because there's just not even anything that kind of approaches that in any theme park in MMO. The, the closest, the absolute closest you get is like bot farming for gold ruins yeah. the economy. Right. But that like, you don't get, it's just, yeah, the, the, the amount of real power you have to influence the game. Yep. Like. I mean, I guess the, the next closest thing was, you know, a guy at Blizzard and you got a name of an item like there have been some significant <laughs> right. like red shirt guy is yeah. in WoW and stuff for those that know the red shirt guy story there. And like a Leroy Jenkins is a Hearthstone card. But like right. that's a pretty tricky thing to pull off to stage something and then go viral or just happen to go viral or whatever. But yeah. that is so rare yeah and you ha you're at the developer's mercy to to be nice and catch <laughs> you in right whereas with like a with an eve if if elon musk wanted to go and like and jeff bezos both wanted to settle a score and both of them started spending literal billions of dollars on eve online currency to stage some proxy war right like they could yeah and you just can't do you, Jeff Bezos isn't going to go buy the Alliance and, and Elon Musk. But, and again, even if they did, it would be on one server, right? It wouldn't have any game impacting, you know, event. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the oldest, the oldest, uh, you know, there's one other sandbox MMO that I guess I do have some experience with from way back in the day. And that would be star Wars galaxies. Um, but man, what, what a game ahead of its time. I mean, it had, multiple planets and you could just build structures anywhere on the planets so you would just encounter cities that players had made and now it's multiple players you know right yeah whatever. but just entire towns and then there would be like a rebel town and a, and a 
empires and they would raid each other and fight and like it was, <laughs> it was crazy or like you would just be riding along your speeder bike in the desert and all of a sudden you come across this huge mall that just has vendors and it's just ted's mall weapon emporium or something it's just some guy has set up a shop and has built the structures and is just like a real mall is leasing space to vendors who are selling their goods like i mean again there's just nothing like that in theme park mmos nothing that even approaches right. that the coolest think, thing oh go ahead well i was just gonna say i think the closest that i've ever seen as like a hybridization of that was in like um city of villains mm. where the game world was unaffected but guilds had a guild hall yeah and you built it you like tetris pieces you had to have a power generator. You had to have a shield generator. You could have, you could theme it in several different like themed types of items. And then there were other, you could put traps and stuff in there uh, from real actual traps that would happen. Or just like if we put the bookshelves here, characters can stand on them and snipe down this hallway and not be seen. And then when you raided somebody, you had to break into their base and you would have objectives like it was a mission, like destroy the shield generator destroy the power generator, raid the vault if they had a vault, and like certain things had to happen in order. Like if the power generator is online, you can't raid the vault. And so you could build your base in a way that you know could trap players and your guild would know your base and the invading guild wouldn't. It would be all fog of war for them. So that's the cl but then like outside of that, that doesn't affect the the world per se, but at least there's some yeah level of like creative design that you can put into like base rating i i that's a mechanic that i would love to see come back in any mmo would be the guild hall is a physical place that can be a war zone like right right yeah yeah no that is that's a that's a really cool concept um i actually that's one of the that's two of the mmos that are some of the most popular kind of historical mmos city of heroes and villains and i never played either one um knew people that did and was familiar with them obviously because they're hugely popular but never actually never well, actually I mean, even when champions online came out that that was taken out like it, it's such a it's such an immensely cool concept and it's just like i mean even the mobile the crappy mobile city building games uh, are that right like <laughs> right. town type stuff but i just i don't know why that's never even if it's just letting players design public battle zones or something, right? Like yeah. giving the players the tools to make cool content in the game, whether it's on the world map or not, I don't know. It's just such a huge deal. Yeah, I think I think there is some, I mean, because like I said, you know, Albion doesn't really have that. And while Eve does allow you, I mean, you construct your ships and your space stations. You don't design the how insides. they, yeah, well, nor do you actually go on them. Like you right. don't, yeah. you're not on foot ever. Um. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I think that there's some I would I'm guessing, of course, but I think there's some problem with like the more creative that you let people be. It, it sounds nice when we're talking about it from a more casual perspective where it's like, oh, cool. I want to make a cool base and do this and that. But then when you get people who are like, I'm going to spend 40 hours figuring out if I stack these blocks this way and this way and this way, then it creates this invisible wall that I know is right. there and you don't. And, it just there's just so much more, more than that it's it's also just moderating because yeah uh <laughs> yeah. giant male genitalia just flying all over right. the place or that and that's the tame part that's the tame yeah. version that's the nice it version just gets worse from there right and then it's hate speech and all uh -huh. sorts of stuff right yeah i yeah, know that's a that's a very valid point as well um so i don't know i i but but you're right it is cool when games allow for that sort of thing I mean, the coolest thing, and I think this may be, even though this is a galaxy story, I think it illustrates yet again, just maybe it's just the, the, at least the possibility of the unique experiences that you can have in sandbox MMOs that just isn't really represented in theme park MMOs. And the truth is, is that the vast majority of players in sandbox MMOs, they don't become the broker. That's the only guy in the system that sells can right. broker Titan ships. They don't become the guy that starts an online casino and overthrows a three-year long-standing evil alliance. Like, but at least there's a chance that you could be right, that guy, right? <laughs> well, and I, um, I mean, it just be getting that feeling of like maybe contributing a little bit. Like, you know, that you may not be that guy, but what you're doing still matters. 
Right, right. I'm sure I've told this story before on, on the show somewhere, but I think it's appropriate for the sandbox MMO story. So I'll try and tell this briefly. When I played Star Wars Galaxies, the way that game worked is you got one character slot per server. Now on that, there was multiple servers, but either way, you could only make one character. Um, however, if you completed a very vague and grindy set of um, achievements or whatever you want to call it, you know, things that you had to tasks that you had to check, check off, then you could unlock what they call the force sensitive slot, which meant you could create a force sensitive character or in other words, a Jedi. Right. Um, super, super rare that anyone has it. I had never seen a Jedi ever in person and playing the game, never encountered one, had seen some, a couple of videos, but this is pre YouTube. Right. So gameplay videos are rare. Um, but you just, the, the community had rumors about Jedi, but mm -hmm. that, which is crazy cool. Right. Yeah, cause, like, cause you're like, cause the vast majority of people are like, no, you're a troll. Get out of right. here. And they don't, would never let anybody be a Jedi. Well, in the games, the, the, the time frame of the game, I'm pretty sure was set between four and five. So the Jedis are mm -hmm. not prevalent, right? right? There are no Jedis really anymore. Or they're very few or whatever. I'm not a huge Star Wars guy. Um, anyway, and so I'm out farming with a guildmate one day. And I don't know that guy this well. I mean, we've played together for a few days or something and whatever. We're just out grinding together. And he goes, hey, can you keep a secret? And I was like, I mean, I guess. Like, that. What, I don't know what that means. Because right. we're on the internet. And we don't know each other. And he's like, all right, man, you really can't tell anyone. I was like, okay, cool. Pulls out dual wield lightsabers <laughs> and just starts massacring the creatures that we're grinding prior to that with our like laser rifles or whatever. <laughs> what? Yes. Because the thing is, is that the Jedi characters were also hardcore slots. Oh. So if your character dies, you don't lose the slots. So you can reroll, but you lose that character. Oh my God. God. So that's why the Jedi were so mysterious is not only were they rare, but anyone who had one basically farmed their Jedi skills on their own. And if they grouped with people, they would use traditional skills that other people use. Well, so yeah, because like a bounty it, hunter that's such an encouraging secrecy. Yes. Like in a way that makes it legit to the lore. Like yes. you don't want to tell anybody you're a Jedi because everyone around here will turn into a mercenary in and no bounty time. Hunter was a real class and bounty hunters had an ability to track and kill Jedi. So wow. there were like, there's one video of this Jedi that gets attacked at like a tavern and there's, I don't know, I, I'm probably being hyperbolic, but it's probably like between five and 10 bounty hunters are attacking him. And he's just like, laser deflecting all the shots like our lightsaber deflecting all the laser shots and stuff and like they can't kill him and it's like oh my god he's so powerful like it's so insane so yeah like it's this really mythological thing and so then to see one that's my guild mate that's right. like undercover and it's like oh i would never tell anyone like that's so cool like because you had to go get your own crystals right. for your lightsaber and like make it yourself so like you chose the color based on the crystals you farmed and like all of it like I always wonder if there's, and I don't think it'll happen until like AI is a thing. And I know this is a giant tangent, so I won't stick here too long. But like the 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 mystical gaming type thing, like mm -hmm. the Ready Player One, like secrets so deep, but also it, it would have to be like custom built per player to keep it out of the solution just being on Reddit. That's how galaxies worked. So in galaxies, you basically you had to grind like I think 30 skills to max tier. So there was a bunch of different skill trees you could choose from and you could only have, I, I want to say five, I might be wrong, but let's call it that for, because whatever you could have a certain number available at any time, right. but at any time you could choose to drop one and insert a new one. But when you drop one, you lose all of the progress. Ooh. Well, that might take you a month to grind a skill or at least weeks to grind right. a skill up. Right. So you had to have 30 at character creation. Your character was assigned 30 skills at random to grind. If you could could manage to find it, you could find what they call the holocron, which is just like a little like a tape recorder type device or something. If you could find a holocron, potentially it could tell you up to, I think, 10 of your character's specialties. Wow. The other 20. There's no way for you to know except to just grind and go. 
So what happens is you basically have to grind and then drop skills and grind and drop skills and grind. And just, and eventually you'll just do it and the slot will just unlock, but you don't know which ones it is outside of those first 10. That kind Holy of, cow. Which is why it was so rare because the grind to do it was unthinkable and somewhat luck based, right? Right. Unless you literally went through every skill, which most people don't have the time, frankly, to do. Yeah. So that's why, you know, that's why it fails ultimately is because the general public is like, I'm never going to play 4,000 hours of this game. Right. Like, and, and I get that too, but I, I think having, and that's why I say, I think AI is the only way to like, yeah. to make it so that because while there are some incredibly crypt, deep cryptographic style games or whatever, I'm not solving those. Cause I don't know. It's hard to get me to go Google buy like Morse code to solve something like a simple puzzle. Mm -hmm. Having some deeply complex, you have to change a page to monochrome and then rotate it and then dive into a, like there's a fractal in there that you can pull out and then you have right. to know that math formula to find the cipher. Like now, now done. Right. But like having something that is a custom, custom enough that you can't Google it. You can't Google the answer because even knowing that you have to grind the skills out allows you to google like well it's maybe a time investment but anybody can get there right yeah but like having it be to the point where it is just custom for you and it's something special that you a special experience that only you can have and also like making it important i think it's in a theme park mmo at least that's incredibly difficult to do but i think that's where that's that sandbox mmo experience kind of comes in is like you're never in like the 10 pigs that you kill and wow to get the guy's quest done literally means nothing and has zero impact on the server mm -hmm. but killing those same 10 pigs in a sandbox mmo gets you the first leather that you need to start you on your journey to become the best you know leather crafter who or you even know, if you don't do that even if you even if you happen to be a skinner and skin the hide and sell it maybe you sold the leather to the, the person who's going to be right. the best leather crafter, right? Like, but it's all just much more intertwined. And you're right. Like in, in the theme park MMOs, individual players have much less impact on each other outside of events designed for that, like raiding or PVP or dungeons or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, and, and obviously in WoW, there's an auction house. So you could sell stuff there too. So well, I yeah. get that. But that's one last thing I will say that, that, I actually had a really good, well, not a really good, I had a conclusion I was going to draw and I still will, but I, I will also add one final thing about the economy that makes it so cool in these sandbox games is that the markets are not connected. And so in WoW, if you're on an Alliance server and you go to Stormwind or Ironforge or wherever, the auction house is the auction house and it's all one. In Albion and in Eve and in, back in the day in Star Wars Galaxies, every market that you went to was a totally independent market. So that creates a lot of opportunity for traders, right? Like you might not be a crafter, a maker, a fighter, and you could literally just be a trader who just flips things for profit that you find opportunities for, right? Like it's just so cool um, that they offer that. And I think that's really, you know, uh, the the question that we always have of why gaming matters or, or maybe maybe easier than that, just why is, why is a sandbox MMO important? It's because it's, it, it's a genre of game that offers that's social, right? So it's not a single player game, right? Um, that just offers some of the most, again, the possibility for some of the most unique experiences that you could have in a game that you just don't find really anywhere else. I mean, yeah, you could play Minecraft and you could play on a Minecraft server, but it, it's just, there's not the level of depth to the rest of the game that there is in, in right. something like Eve or, or Albion, at least not as far as combat and all that stuff goes. Um, but yeah, so I think that's, I think that's, that's why I've, I love the, at least I've played theme park MMOs way more than I've played sandbox MMOs to be clear, like, like 10 to one. Well, it's a more guaranteed experience. It is. It is. And I get hella sensitive about full loot PVP. Oh like, yeah. I, you do not see me making hard. I can't even lose a, a, like 10th level Diablo hardcore character is makes me cry. Like. <laughs> right. Um, but 
I'm at least I will always support the idea of them and what they're going for because I think it's just a really really cool uh, a really cool concept honestly in gaming but certainly in the space of MMOs for sure all right folks well that's all for our episode today follow us on Twitter to join the discussion share your thoughts or catch our stream times if you enjoy the show tell a friend and help us keep growing our audience you can also join us on discord and in our steam group all of the links will be available in the show notes if you would like more of my insights on pretty much anything in life not related to gaming, check out my other podcast, The Walk Show, which is available everywhere podcasts are found.